0: All right, Matthew 24. The goal is to see first that we can hopefully get maybe 40, 45 minutes before any storms arrive. And I can, if I need to, I can wrap it up as fast as I can before we get knocked off the internet. But hopefully that does not happen. The goal is to finish as much as we can tonight on Matthew chapter 24. This is part, is it 12 now? Yes, part 12 in our study of Matthew chapter 24. We've covered so many different things. We've looked at so many different things. But let's just jump in and remind us of where we have been. Matthew chapter 24. First and foremost, we remember the context of the chapter. Matthew 24 is dealing with questions asked by the disciples in regards to Jesus making a prophecy that the temple is going to be destroyed. They don't understand, they are confused, and they want to know when, what is going on, right? Jesus responds to them by giving them the signs that obviously, first and foremost, points to what? The destruction of the temple, and we all know when that occurred, 70 AD. So, the the problem is... For some weird reason, especially in modern church history, everybody runs to Matthew 24 and they grab all of these signs and almost forget that they point to 70 AD. Or they, or they will say something like this. Well, maybe they pointed to 70 AD, but we don't live then, so they point to now to the second coming. And you're like, well, that's interesting that you just decided that on yourself, for yourself. But we have to first and foremost figure out, were these signs pointing to 70 AD and did they, were they fulfilled, all right? Does that make sense? And remember, there's different perspectives. There's the futuristic perspective and the historical perspective. Futuristic says that everything in Matthew 24 points to the future. Even if it pointed to the past, it points to the future for us. The historical view is like, nope, this has all been done. It's all been fulfilled, right? Or we sometimes refer to that as preterism or the preterist view, right? We, we remember all of that? Okay. I'm not going to spend a lot of time doing this, but just remember Matthew 24, starting in verse 4. To verse 13, we'd, no, but I don't think anybody in this room, and nobody emailed me um, or, or posted anything on YouTube, I think for the most part, there seems to be pretty good agreement that it would be not only fair to say, not only is it probable, not only is it possible, but most likely, most likely it's the only way to actually interpret it correctly, is verses 4 through 13 was all fulfilled leading up to 70 A.D., the verse that we thought could possibly be a transition verse where we jump from a past fulfillment to a future was what verse? Verse 14, which reads, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. However, what did we discover? The Apostle Paul... Said the gospel had gone into all the world. In fact, he goes so far to say what in Colossians? To every creature. That's pretty specific. He also makes similar claims in the book of Romans, which I did, uh, the other day on a podcast episode. Yesterday, I believe. All right. So we looked at some additional verses and, uh, I, but I still, the bottom line is we think that that's been fulfilled. So now we can say pretty dogmatically that verse four to 14 was fulfilled prior to 70 A.D. Okay? People may not like that, but it, it seems probable. I mean, look, and again, if you disagree, you've got to argue with the Apostle Paul. Don't argue with me. I didn't write Colossians. I didn't write Romans. Okay? I didn't make those claims that Paul made that the gospel's gone into all the world. It's gone to every creature. Okay? Well, he said that, not me. And he said it before 70 A.D. Okay? Remember Colossians was written when? Yeah, And 60, 61, even if we put 63, even if we put 64, even if we put 65, even if you put 68, it would still be done before 70 A.D. So that, even if you go with a late, late date, you still have it before 70 A.D. All right. So everybody on the same page there. All right. So tonight is all about one verse. Verse 15. When I got in my car this afternoon to drive home, I turned on Christian radio. And guess what I heard them talking about? The abomination of desolation coming in the future. That's what I heard when I turned on Christian radio on the way home. And I was just kind of like, well, there's one perspective, okay? Okay. There's one perspective, but it was timely, I guess we could say, but we're going to look at this. Now, again, what what do we need to figure out? Has it already happened? Okay, not only has it happened, but what exactly does it refer to? So let's do this. Everybody ready? All right. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Here we go. When ye, now that's a very important thing because it seems to be the fact that Jesus says, when ye, right there, just at least, I would say textually, would make me think that he is speaking to the disciples who asked the question, right? That, that would be, a, a, I think, a I think that'd be a fair assessment. Would everyone agree with that assessment? Right. When ye, therefore, shall See the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, let uh, uh, Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Now what's interesting is though, now it goes to ye, to the whosoever readeth. That's interesting, is it not? Some could argue, see, it has a future implication. Okay, maybe. That, that is an interesting phrase there. Now, here's what we need to do before we do anything else. Find, go to Luke. Does anybody remember where in Luke? Is it, is okay. Does, it, does, it, does everybody know where in Luke? Yeah, Luke, 21. Yeah, Luke 21. Okay, all right. I was like, come on, we got to remember. And where is it in Mark? 13. Okay, good. All right. Go to Luke 21, because I think typically the Luke passage is the one that a lot of people reference here. I could be wrong. Luke 21, right? Luke 21. Find the verse that speaks of the abomination of desolations. Okay? Does anybody find it here? See if anybody can find anything. Okay, where is it? Verse 20. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies then know that the desolation thereof is nigh now he doesn't he doesn't mention here what he doesn't mention abomination desolation he also does not mention Daniel but if that desolation is that the same desolation or is this a different desolation is this desolation simply referring to what the destruction of the of the city and the temple right not some abomination of desolation is it the same thing is it different we we could get into a discussion there does mark make any reference to it what does mark say okay mark 13:14 and what does he say does he add does he say daniel does he say abomination Okay, so is, there's a slight difference. There be a, a slight difference, where he standeth, where he ought not. Everybody see that? Okay. Now, the reason there's some di- some discussions here is something the, is the abomination desolation a thing? Is it a person? Is it an event? So you look for little clues. I just want you to see all the different references. We can take them a little bit more apart, but I want you to at least be familiar with the references. All right, everybody? Okay. Yeah, and Mark it does. And Mark it does. Luke is the, only one. the NIV doesn't. quotes? The abomination of death, uh, desolation. Okay. All right. Well, it's the NIV. I mean, I don't know. You know. Okay. What can you say? All right. All right. Okay. But so I just want you to see that. Did you say something? It. Very good. Very good. This is what creates some issues, right? Is the abomination, desolation an it, or is it a he? Thing. Object. Yeah, the NIVs is it. So you see there's lots of these little these little technical things. I just want you to get kind of a feel for some of the issues we have to deal with. And we're going to, to jump into this. We're going to be re- relying on a couple of sources. We'll probably end up relying on a little bit of uh, Josephus. Who knows? we got a lot of things to look at. I, I had everyone look up lots of references from Josephus that I gave yesterday. We may go back to those. Maybe, maybe not. If uh, if you looked at them, great. If you did not, you'll be okay Probably. Okay. Probably. Maybe. Okay. I'll just assume that you did look at them. All right. Here we go. Everybody ready? All right. Question we have to ask tonight. Are you ready? What is, not when, what is the abomination of desolation? Why do we have to define what it is before we can try to answer when it occurred? If you don't know what it is... Yeah. And remember, I, I played the same game with everyone on 14. I asked you what is required for verse 14 p- to be fulfilled in your mind, right? And nobody wanted to commit. In fact, Stacy just outright refused, okay? Bobby was the only one who just stepped up and said, every creature, okay? And I was like, thank you for saying that, Bobby, okay? Because I knew Colossians was going to say every creature. So, here's my question for you tonight. In your mind, what would be required for the abomination of desolation to occur? Okay, you, uh, go ahead and have the Daniel reference ready. Okay, have it ready. Okay, but that's, that's good. Okay, but the thing is, there's got to be something in your mind like, this must happen. Now, Daniel may be the only thing that we have to go by. But. Okay. well, we're going to definitely look. We're going to definitely look. But I just want you to have in your mind what, what you feel must occur, must happen. Okay, well, obviously we know this is referencing the temple, right? So we know something in the temple has to occur. So a temple must be standing, right? Or a new temple must be built. In the future, right. So a temple would be required. Everyone agrees with that. A temple would be required. Something has to happen inside the temple. Some kind of abomination. Something has to rise to the level of an abomination for this to occur. Another thing, some people would argue that a peace treaty must be made with Israel prior to this occurring, but Matthew or Luke or Mark does not make it. They're going to pull that somewhere from Daniel. All right, so now we have to ask, how important is Daniel to interpreting this? So there's lots of questions, all right? I'm not going to make you commit here, because this one would be a little bit more difficult to answer, right? Agreed? Because it's just the whole phrase. Is it the abomination of desolation, or is it the abomination that causes desolation? All right, so it could be an idol. Just keep that in mind, okay? That's important, especially if you go back to, I think, 163 BC, but we won't go there right now, okay? Everybody ready? Here we go. Jesus spoke of a coming abomination of desolation in the Olivet Discourse. As he referenced a future event mentioned in Daniel chapter 9. So go to Daniel chapter 9 really quick. Daniel chapter 9. Tell me amen when you're there, or say amen when you're there. Or say yep. Okay, whichever one. Okay, okay. <laughs> Daniel 9. Okay. All right. Oh boy. Let's just go to verse 24. Man. Ugh. Man, man, Daniel. Oh, man. Okay. This, this just causes severe headaches. Okay. Daniel 9. I don't want to... I, I was trying to avoid Daniel. Okay. But I know we were going to have to. Now, I could just try to zoom in to the smallest portion possible and go, just look at that. Don't look at anything else. But for... Context. Let's get an idea here. All right, so Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to bring reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now, most believe that these are not weeks like seven-day weeks, that these are weeks of... Years. That's what most people believe. We can get a whole... Because, that, you know, just all the hermeneutical problem. So now weeks aren't weeks. Weeks are now years. Just becomes maddening at this point trying to figure it out. But we also know that if you try to figure out the dating, <clears throat> 70 actual weeks don't seem to work. All right? To see all the issues that can possibly arise here. All right, We don't have time to get into all that, but you understand. All right? Verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, the streets shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Now, stop at verse 25. Stop at in verse in 925. What would be some obvious questions any good Bible student would have right here? What would be some good questions? Okay. Well, let's do this. A commandment's going to go forth, right? To do what? Restore and build Jerusalem. We would think that that's the restoring and rebuilding Jerusalem of something that is in the past yes or is this some kind of rebuilding something in the f- well future for them past for us does that make sense okay and from that command for the restoring and rebuilding of jerusalem until what the messiah and most likely we believe they we would believe that that is referencing to the appearance of the messiah in which coming first coming all right some could possibly. I'm just throwing out concepts here. Okay. Uh, shall uh, and the people of the prince that shall come, or okay, verse 25. And the prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks, and, and the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off? Most believe the Messiah being cut off is a reference to what? The crucifixion. All right? So we have the rebuilding of, of Jerusalem. We have the appearance of Jesus. Then we have him being crucified. That's a basic understanding. Now, look, there's all kinds of different ways of going about this. I'm just throwing out some basic ideas. Did you have something, Stephen? We'll be put to death. Okay, well, that, that makes it a lot easier to even understand. Okay, all right? Not for himself. He's going to be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Well, that seems to refer to possibly what? 70 AD. 70 AD possibly, yes? Because it's after the death of Christ. Correct? Now, Now what happens? And he, oh, that's, that's great. All of a sudden we have this pronoun there, right? And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Okay, who's the he that all of a sudden just got dropped into this? The prince, which... The prince of the people. Everybody see it? And then the people of the prince shall come and destroy the city. The people of the prince, that would be the he would go to that. That would make sense, right? I mean, I I guess that's the correct way to determine uh, who that person is. Yes. All right. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the midst of that week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. In other words, whoever this he is, which probably is the prince, is going to make some kind of a covenant, and then he's going to do what? Is it going to be abomination, and it's it's going to stop what? The sacrifice and offerings are going to stop. All right. Okay. Now, a lot of people take this and immediately go, future temple, right? Make a covenant with Israel. Three and a half years, he walks into the temple. No, no, the, most people would say this refers to a future temple, for, uh, even for us. Antichrist comes in. He makes a a covenant with Israel for three and a half years, walks into the temple, declares himself to be God, and stops all of the sacrifices. That's how it, it was talked about this morning on Christian radio on my way to my house. That's how many interpret this. Now, what's a possible problem with this? Let let me just make it simple. The biggest problem with that is that Jesus mentions this prophecy in relation, obviously, to 70 AD. Unless you believe verse 15, Jesus has forgotten 70 AD and now jumped to the future. All right? That's problem number one. Problem number two... True, true. So... Problem number two would be, if this already occurred, then why are we looking for a future? One, Jesus seems to put it in the context of 70 AD. Two, if this has already been fulfilled, then why are we looking for a future fulfillment? All right, so, and I agree, Stephen's right, everything here seems to be about the first coming of Jesus, then destruction, this prince. It seems to be in that time period why did it just jump all of a sudden to who? Who knows when? That, that's a good possibility, but we'll see here. All right. So I just want us to be familiar with it. Just please note there are so many things we can look at in that Daniel. I don't think we that you're an expert on that Daniel passage. Now we didn't even scratch the surface. We didn't even become. We didn't even come within a thousand miles of the passage. We did a. We did one of those flyovers at, you know, 20,000 feet, okay? We didn't barely even looked at it, okay? Everybody got that? All right, now, Jesus spoke of the coming abomination of desolation in the Olivet Discourse as he referenced a future event mentioned in, Ma- in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. In Matthew 24, 15 through 16, Jesus says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. That's the Christian Standard Bible. That's the version that I'm quoting there. So when the abomination of desolation is standing in the holy place, it just says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place. It doesn't say, is it is it a person? It doesn't even really use a pronoun, at least in the Christian Standard Bible. All right. Okay, so far so good. In uh, uh, the, and Ma- and the King James, it doesn't either. And Mark it, do- and, Ma- and Mark, it does. All right, okay. Now, an abomination, are you ready for this? You may want to write this down. An abomination is something that causes disgust or hatred. Okay? Something is an abomination, right? I use that term all the time. Okay? If I see someone listening to music on certain headphones, I'm like, that's an abomination! Okay? What are you doing? All right? Okay? I could, all kinds of music things I could say. All right? An abomination is something that causes disgust or hatred. Desolation is a state of complete emptiness or destruction. So there is an, so think of it this way there's going to be an abomination that brings about. Complete destruction or emptiness. Jesus warned, please listen to these words carefully, okay? So everybody got abomination and desolation? So in other words, do we, do we understand it that the abomination brings about the desolation? Right? Does that make sense? Yes. And the NIV, I think, words it very much that way, does it not? It says... Uh, abomination that causes desolation. No. Okay, that's Daniel. How does it read in Matthew 24? Does it say abomination of desolation or does it say the abomination that causes or brings about? Uh, the ab- abomination that causes desolation. There we go. The abomination that causes desolation. Does everybody understand that? There's got to be an abomination and then that abomination will fall. be followed by what? Desolation. All right, does everybody got that? Does that make sense? So far so good? All right, are you experts now? Okay, experts. Okay, I like that. I like that. Experts. All right, here we go. All right. Jesus warned. Now listen, everybody listening? Jesus warned that something or someone that people detested would stand in the temple someday. So something or someone that people detest, that people would hate, is going to find itself where? Where? In the temple. A someone or a something is going to end up in the temple that people hate. And that's going to bring about a desolation. So far, so good? All right. We're going to become experts on this, I'm telling you. All right. When that horror occurred, or when it will occur, residents of Judea should seek cover without delay. Other translations speak of the abomination that causes desolation, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration, that's the New Living Translation, and that horrible thing, that's one version of the Bible. The Amplified Bible adds the note that the abomination of desolation is the appalling sacrilege that astonishes and make desolate. Whatever this thing is, it's horrible. It's bad. Desolation is going to follow, so when you see it, the people where in Judea, in Judea that, again, very specifying a specific location, which is again very interesting, right? Jerusalem, all right? Judea, Jerusalem, a specific location. When you see it, run for your. Life, get out of town. Don't even pack. Move. Flee to the mountains. Oh, okay, right. So I'm just saying, it's ye, when you see it, here's what you do, run. Okay, that seems very specific. Again, seemingly to indicate Jesus is really using this event, I think, for 70 A.D., but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I'm, I'm just saying that that's where I'm going so far. Right? We're willing to change our mind, yes. Okay. Jesus referenced Daniel and his words in the Olivet Discourse. The prophet Daniel mentions mentioned the abomination of desolation in three places. Everybody ready for the three? The first one is Daniel 9.27. Daniel 9.27, we read that one, correct? Let me read it uh, from the Christian Standard Bible. He will make a firm covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and offering, and the abomination of desolation will be on the wing of the temple until the decreed destruction is poured out on the desolator. That's an interesting translation, is it not? On the wing of the temple. That's interesting. All right? We, but that's fine. That's, there's, where's the first place it's referenced? 927. Where's the second place? 1131. I'm going to read this from the New King James. You ready? Forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress and they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Now, that's very different in certain ways, right? They shall defile the sanctuary, plural, and they, plural, shall take away the sacrifices, and they will place there the abomination of desolation. They're going to place something there. They, now it's referring plural, now, the who? what are they going to place there? Are they going to place a person? Are they going to place a thing? All right, so, everybody with me so far? Okay. Where's the third place it's used? 12.11. New American Standard. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. The wording and the above translations indicate that the abomination of desolation is an object. That's how they view it. In some other translations, the abominations appears to be a person. On the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate. That's the ESV. The one who makes desolate refers to it as a person. So, different translations, meaning there seems to be some struggle to determine if it's a person or a thing. Does everybody see that? Why is this all important? Why, is, why are we spending all the time trying to figure this out? <clears throat> we can't determine if it's occurred if we don't know what it is, right? All right, so just keep it in mind. So, possibly a person, possibly a thing. Wouldn't it be great if we could find in history that it was a person and a thing? That would make our job easy, wouldn't it? Let's see. Regardless of whether the abomination of desolation is a person or a thing, Daniel predicted the following. So it seems there are five things Daniel predicted. All right, we're going to try to summarize the five things. You ready? Number one, a future ruler will make a treaty with the people of Israel. Seems like some kind of treaty will be made. Number two, the terms of this treaty will be for a week. Which we take to be a period of seven years this is at least the claim I, I I'm just going to be honest with you I struggle with that whole week one week is seven year thing all day long but I don't know what else to do I mean you go we've worked through Daniel nine before trying to figure it out I've never been completely convinced either way just because it's so it just messes up my hermeneutic all of a sudden a week becomes seven years well then a day can be a billion years. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You just start having all kinds of issues at that point. Okay, but, all right. So, so uh, number one, a future ruler will make a treaty. Number two, uh, with Israel. Number two, the terms of the treaty will be for one week, which uh, appears to be a period of seven years. Number three, midway through this time, the ruler will gather his troops and put an end to the sacrifices and offerings in the temple. Number four, at that time, the ruler will desecrate the temple, setting up some type of sacrilegious object. Right? right, I'll go through these again. What was number one? A ruler will make a treaty with the people of Israel. Number two? The, the, term, the terms of the treaty will be for one week. Number three? Midway through the time, they're going to gather his troops and put an end to sacrifices in the temple. Number four, at that time, the ruler will desecrate the temple, setting up some time of, some type of sacrilegious object. Yeah, at, I guess uh, midway through, somewhere midway through, they're going to desecrate the temple. Now this one, pay close attention to this one. The desecration of the temple will continue until the judgment of God is finally meted out on the ruler and his followers. 1,290 days later. That one becomes somewhat where we may have problems, right? Because if we say Titus fulfilled it, did Titus get judged 1,290 days later? Okay. Let me read number four again. Number four: At that time, the ruler will desecrate the temple, setting up some type of sacrilegious object. Okay. Now number five. Well, but was it one thousand two hundred ninety days later? Okay. You see that we're gonna have to try to figure that out, right? Okay. This one. I'm saying, just saying, number five can be a problem. We just got to admit it, right? Remember, what are we not committed to? any particular view. See, isn't it freeing when you're not committed? I don't care. I don't care who gets mad. I don't care. Like, preterists get mad. How dare you? Because I guarantee you, verses 4 through 13, preterists were like, you're our friends, all right? Okay, now they're going to be, when I start questioning this, they're going to be like, you're garbage, okay? And then I've had uh, the, the, the the futurists like, you're garbage. And now, right now, they'd be like, oh, you are our friend. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to tick someone off, but I don't care about your side. Stop being committed to a side, right? We got to be committed to trying to figure out what happened. All right, so here we go. Number five. Everybody ready? The desecration of the temple will continue until the judgment of God is meted out on the ruler and his followers. 1,000. 290 days later, that's how long? Three and a half years and one month. Man, I don't like that part. So if we could leave that part out, I think we could get most of this done in 70 AD. That one is problematic, is it not? All right we'll see what the preterists do because i've got, I've got the preterist right here waiting to talk right here I've got the preterists ready to go how much what do you, I'm going to put money on it I mean I'm mean, people are listening going wait they bet in their church Yeah, we're going to bet we're going to put we're gonna we're going to create a, a, a an office pool here right I bet they don't mention that part of Daniel mention it and give me a good explanation. I have a feeling that this is going to be kind of just like, oops, we could be wrong. All right, everybody ready? Daniel's prophecies about the abomination of desolation seem to have at least one partial fulfillment. All right, everybody ready? So we're going to put, number one, just put the, the first Partial fulfillment. And everybody knows when this one occurred, right? Everyone knows? Does everyone know? 167 B.C. 167 B.C. Well, the book of uh, First and Second Maccabees, very important reading if you want to know kind of what happened, but yes, during Daniel's prophecies about the abomination of desolation seem to have at least a partial fulfillment in 167 BC when a Greek ruler by the name of Antiochus right he's also known as Antiochus Epiphanes right he gave himself uh, the name Epiphanes because it stands for illustrious one or god manifester so, Antiochus, the God manifester, okay, that, yeah, he, that he's, he's pretty he got a high opinion of himself, does he not? Almost viewing himself as God, which that's kind of important, right? Okay. Um, hang on, I got to verify something here, because I don't want to uh, finish this and get a Give me something here. Uh, I want to make sure I'm accurate. I believe. I think I am correct. If it, if I'm wrong, someone can correct me. I believe he would be Antiochus, the fourth. All right, Antiochus the fourth. I believe. Okay, I, I I'm almost one thousand percent sure of that. Okay, Antiochus, fourth. Do what? Okay, it is a number, right? So I, that's why I, I just looked it up to verify. But I'm, I'm just, just because I'm not super confident now, I'm just going to say that I'm not sure just because I don't want to be wrong. Does that make sense? Okay, because it's numbers and I'm horrible at remembering numbers. Okay, all right. Everybody got that? Now, everybody, th- everybody got their thinking caps on? All right. This was partially fulfilled possibly in 167 BC when a Greek ruler by the name of Antiochus, the fourth desecrated the temple in Jerusalem. Antiochus called himself Epiphanes, illustrious one, or God Manifester. Everybody listening? He set up an altar to Zeus over the altar of burnt offering, and he sacrificed a pig on the altar. Antiochus went even further in his atrocities slaughtering a great number of the Jews selling others into slavery and he issued decrees forbidding circumcision and requiring Jews to sacrifice to pagan gods and to eat pig meat. Man, When I hear things like that I'm like, there's the fulfillment! It's de- the abomination of desolation occurred! The only problem is Jesus, what are you doing? Don't confuse me anymore, okay? What are you doing? Okay, I just need one fulfillment and be done with it, right? Agreed? Let's see what else they say here. What Antiochus did certainly qualifies as an abomination. Can everyone say amen to that? But it was not a complete fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy, Antiochus Epiphanes did not enter into a covenant with Israel for seven years. For example, and in Matthew 24, Jesus speaking some 200 years after Antiochus' evil actions spoke of Daniel's prophecy as having a still future fulfillment. So what can we say? Whatever Antiochus Epiphanes did, it was not a fulfillment of Daniel. That we can be dogmatic. We can say it's a partial fulfillment, but what's the point of a partial fulfillment? The only... I mean, I don't. People say, "Well, a partial fulfillment." Was saying you're on the right path. I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. It wasn't fulfilled, so I don't know. Okay, maybe you could say it was a preview of things to come. Possibly. All right, but the main thing is Jesus speaks of it when, somewhere around 33 A.D. How many years did I say? Two hundred or five hundred? Two hundred years after. Jesus speaks some 200 years after the actions. All right? Or around 200 years, okay? I'd have to try to figure out the math, and I'm horrible at math, but you get the idea, okay? So clearly what Jesus is talking about was not fulfilled with Antiochus Epiphanes. Everybody agree? Everybody committed to that? All right? Yes? All right, so here we go. The question becomes what? The question then becomes, when Jesus or when, after Jesus' day, was the abomination of desolation prophecy fulfilled? Or are we still waiting for the fulfillment? The preterist view is that Jesus' warning in Matthew 24:15 concern, concerned events leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. In this view, the abomination of desolation probably occurred during the Roman occupants of Jerusalem when the Roman army brought their heathen images and standards into the temple courts. According to this source, they reject the preterist view. They take a futuristic approach. Now, they don't go much in detail defending their futuristic approach. They basically have two short paragraphs that read like this. Are you ready? We take the futurist view, which sees the abomination of desolation prophecy as still future. And our view, Jesus was referring to the Antichrist, who in the end times will establish a covenant with Israel for seven years, then break it by doing something similar to what Antiochus Epiphanes did in the temple. The sacrilegious object Jesus called the abomination of desolation could be the image of the beast that the antichrist right-hand man the false prophet will order to be set up and worshipped Revelation 13:14. Of course for Matthew 24:15 to be yet future the temple in Jerusalem would have to be rebuilt before the tribulation begins. Those who are alive during the tribulation should be watchful and recognize that the breaking of the covenant with Israel and the abomination of desolation will be the beginning of the worst three and a half years in history. Uh, And then that's basically where they stop. That don't offer much of a proof. They're just like, well, we just don't think it's 70 AD. It's got to be future. Now, what's, what, what are some of the problems with that? What are some possible problems? Yeah, the, the, yeah the, the context is clearly 70 AD. And just how Jesus said, when you see it, those in Judea and Jer- Jerusalem, get out. You don't even go back to your house. Yeah, it would be weird that that's referring to the future. So you're saying that in the future, when the Antichrist goes into the temple, the only people who need to flee are those who live in Jerusalem? You would think that the whole world would have to go into hiding. Right? Because the three and a half years is supposedly a global you know, thing that's going to happen to the whole world, right? So, I don't know. Let's see what the preterists have to say. Right. What would be the best argument that it wasn't fulfilled in seventy A.D.? What would be the best argument it that it wasn't? Remember number five. Daniel says something has to happen. It's going to occur until judgment is fulfilled. One thousand two hundred ninety days later. That's the that's the one. I'm like, oh, I hate that. Okay, right. I struggle with that one, yes? All right. Here we go. We're going to see if we can get this finished here. Everybody ready? Titus dies in 81. 11 years. Well, that'd be 10, right? I mean, I'm horrible at math, but yeah. I'm pretty sure. So, still, I mean, it would be close, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Well, have to see if it... I, I think everyone's just going to ignore that part, right? I mean, even, even in that article, the futurist view, they didn't even mention that as one of their major reasons for rejecting it. Be the- oh, that's true. Halfway through, he does that, and then it continues for three and a half more years. Yeah. Right, so that's true, so yeah, that wouldn't work either. Yeah, all right, so, all right, here we go. This, this segment of the discourse, referring to Matthew twenty four fifteen to 22, this segment of the discourse is widely understood today to refer to an event that has not yet transpired, an, an event popularly described as the Great Tribulation. It has given rise to a multitude of interpretations, particular within dispensational theology regarding the time of the rapture, whether it is before the tribulation, in the middle of it, or after it. We will examine these questions of the rapture at a later time. For the present, we merely note the passage, the passing, that a a host of controversial eschatological theories came into play with respect to this text. I think we can agree that because of this text, a lot of different views of eschatology have come from it. Can everyone agree? All right. The preterist view includes the tribulation and the abomination of desolation with the signs that take place prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. So in the preterist view, the tribulation, the abomination of desolation, and all the signs take place prior to what? 70 A.D. No argument is required to prove the strict and exclusive reference of this section to Jerusalem and Judea. They say there's no real argument that's even needed, required. And here's what they say. Now, they're going to go to, remember, uh, they, they keep referring to Russell. Remember, we talked about him. Yes, right? Uh, James Stewart Russell. All right, they're going to keep referring to him. Okay, so Russell says this, I quote, Here, we can detect no trace of a double meaning, of primary and ulterior fulfillments, of underlying and typical senses. Everything is national, local, and near. The land is the land of Judah. This people is the people of Israel. And the time, the lifetime of the disciples, when ye therefore shall see. So they take the language and say, it's referring to the land, the people, and those who were alive Clearly, this had to happen in their lifetime. Russell goes on to argue for a first century fulfillment of this prophecy. Most expositors find an allusion to the standard of the Roman legions and the expression, the abomination of desolation, and the explanation is highly probable. So, they're saying the abomination of desolation were the standards or the flags that they carried. And that's what, when they came in, and people would see those things on the Temple Mound, that was going to tick them off. Right? What Do the Jews still get upset when Muslims or someone else goes up? They don't want them there. Right? They still get upset about it. Right? That would make some sense. Yes. Right? Um, The eagles were the objects of religious worship to the soldiers and the parallel passage... And St. Luke is all but conclusive evidence that this is the true meaning. So they're like, they they had eagles on it. This was an act of work. They worshipped basically these eagles that's on the standards and they think that this is what's being referred to here. All right? Okay? I'm not completely convinced, but okay. We know from Josephus, uh uh-oh, now we're back to Josephus, that the attempt of a Roman general... And the reign of Tiberius to march his troops through Judea was resisted by the Jewish authorities on the ground that the idolatrous images on their symbol, on their standards, would be a uh, a, a basically profaning of the law. So Josephus argues that even the Jews at that time, hey, if they come marching through and they have those symbols on their standards, you're profaning, you're desecrating, this is wrong. So that would fit. What happened in 70 A.D.? Okay, all right, all right so far. Uh, then he names two other people, provide the following note to the text of Matthew 24, 15. All right, here we go. Matthew uh, twenty four fifteen. how much time do we have? We have like two minutes, and we have a tornado watch for the current location until 10 p.m. today. Okay, thank you for telling me that. All right. All right. I heard other phones going off, so I'm assuming that's what you were getting. Okay, that's, all right, Matthew twenty four fifteen. Everybody ready? Matthew's tradition here makes explicit what is only hinted at in Mark, who does not mention the prophetic oracle. In addition, Matthew speaks of the holy place and so emphatically refers to the temple. The quotation is from Daniel 9.27, the idol altar of 1 Maccabees 1, 54 and 59 with the example of Antiochus Epiphanes in mind, Jesus required neither uh, pers- uh, uh, so Jesus required neither persis- persistence nor unusual insight to see where the rise of nationalism under Roman occupation would lead. Whether the abomination sacrilege refers to actual idolatry or to the entrance of Roman imperial eagle standards into the temple area is really immaterial. It was common practice then and for long centuries before to assert sovereignty over a nation by dethroning its god and replacing them by those of the conqueror. So in other words, what they are saying is the fact it wouldn't have to require anything long-lasting. The fact that they came in and destroyed them is a way of saying, your God's gone, we're now God. Which would be an abomination, obviously, and, would, and we know that it led to desolation because they destroyed everything. Right. Okay, Calvin wrote the following. Because the destruction of the temple and the city of Jerusalem together with the overthrow of the whole Jewish government was, as we have already said, a thing incredible, and because it might be thought strange that the disciples could not be saved without being torn from the nation to which had been committed the adoption and the covenants, Romans chapter 9, verse 4, of eternal salvation. Christ confirms both by the testimony of Daniel, as if he had said that you may not be too strongly attached to the temple and to the ceremonies of the law. God has limited them to a fixed time And as long ago declared that when the Redeemer should come, sacrifices would cease and that it may not give you uneasiness to be cut off from your own nation, God has forewarned his people that in due time it would be rejected. In other words, what Calvin is trying to say, Jesus is saying, hey guys, the whole point is stop looking to this temple. Stop looking to its sacrifices. You're going to be saved apart from Israel. You're going to be saved apart from sacrifices. You're going to be saved apart from the temple because I'm here. Very similar to Hebrews, right? Okay. Here we go. We're going to at least try to finish this. Russell then comments on the following portion of Matthew's text. Then if anyone says to you, look here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and show, and show great signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out, or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For, who, for wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Matthew 24, 23 to 28. Russell maintains that the text follows an unbroken continuity from what has preceded it. The very first word is indicative of, of continuity. Then, and every succeeding word is plainly addressed to, this, to the disciples themselves for their personal warning and guidance. It is clear that our Lord gives them information on what would surely come to pass, or at least what they might live to witness with their own eyes. It is a vivid representation of what actually occurred in the last days of the Jewish commonwealth. The Jewish historian Josephus states, of so great a multitude, not one escaped. Their destruction was caused by a false prophet who had on that day proclaimed to those remaining in the city that God commanded them to go up to the temple and to receive the signs of their deliverance. So Josephus says one of the problems that happened is there was a false prophet saying, everybody go to the temple. Jesus said, when you see this, run. And the false prophet was like, no, go to the temple and you'll receive your deliverance. And what did they receive? Their death, which is kind of messed up. Well, pretty good sign why you don't listen to false prophets, right? Russell argues that the carcasses where the eagles will be gathered refers to the guilty and devoted children of Israel who will be destroyed by the Roman legions. The carcass is Israel, and the eagles are Rome. And that's how they end. There, guess what I tell you they wouldn't mention? The the Daniels, they they just left it out. And to be fair, even the people who looked to the futurist view, they didn't even really mention it. They mentioned it one time, but when they said, we hold to a futurist view, they didn't say this is the reason why. So what do we do here? Good point. Jesus doesn't mention everything else. He doesn't go into days. That's a good point. So is it possible? Just hear me out. That obviously what Jesus is referring to, listen to me carefully, what Jesus is referring to, you hear what I said? I'm not saying all the verses in Daniel. What Jesus is referring to is what happened in 70 AD. Because he's like, you, when you see this, you get out of Judea. You get out of Jerusalem. Get out. And you're going to see the abomination of desolation. We do know this. Titus came in. Armies came in, right? We do know the temple was destroyed, yes? And obviously a desecration of it, yes? They carried away the the objects within, within it. Right? They're, they've got that monument of them where the Roman soldiers are carrying all the things from the temple out of it. That's a desecration. They had their Roman standards with their eagles on it. And the, they desecrated the whole thing. I believe so. I believe so. Because uh, uh, Becca's been there and took a picture of it. They but... had eagles on thing where well, it says about the eagles. Well, talks to... Yeah, So the eagles, that would make some kind of sense, right? That the the Roman soldiers carried these symbols with eagles on it, which was a thing of worship. This would all make sense. So I'm going to say that 2415 was fulfilled in 70 AD. I am not saying everything that Daniel pointed to was. Jesus grabs just the phrase, the abomination of desolation, clearly that. Or, or that part, that, that clearly it happens there. I'm, if, no, look, that, I'm gonna make it very clear. Does that mean that there's, I'm not gonna say there's not gonna be a future temple. I'm not gonna say that there's no future possible. I'm not gonna say no. I'm just saying that here, I don't need to say verse 15 jumps to the future. I'm just gonna say verse 15 in its context is warning them that when you see this happen, leave. And Josephus reports that a false prophet told them, Go the complete opposite of what Jesus told him to do. Meaning that Jesus' warning here is even more profound because of the historical record, if Josephus can be believed. Yeah, don't even go back. Don't go anywhere near Run. Run! Run! And then, then we read the historical record where Josephus is like, No, uh, there's a false prophet to tell them to go, oh, we'll go to the temple. That was a wrong, bad idea. And they died. That's horrible. So I'm going to say 2414 fulfilled, 2415 fulfilled. I am not saying that answers everything in Daniel. I am not saying that that means there's not going to be a future temple. And I'm not going to get into that. My goal my job here is to figure out what's going on in 2415 and it only makes sense to it just makes sense that that's what it's referring to there. Right? Because 2415 is the desolation, 16 is the warning, 17 is what? Still a warning. Still a warning. on verse 18. Neither let him which is <laughs> in the field return back to take his Stop right there. That places it in a very specific historical context. Pray that this doesn't happen when, in the winter, in the winter. Or, on the Sabbath. or on the Sabbath. This is clearly to Israel, clearly under a Jewish mindset. Right? The Jews would have been still obviously fought. Remember, in the New Testament, there's all the arguments about Sabbath, right? Do you have to keep the Sabbath? And Paul says, hey, if one person honors one day, you don't, you don't fight with them. They, the, the Sabbath is mentioned in the New Testament as a, a source of controversy. Yes? Well, it would still, I assume, still been somewhat controversial leading up to 70 AD because what still existed prior to 70 AD? all of the, All of the issues of Judaism, temple, priest, sacrifice, feast days, holy days, Sabbath, that would fit perfectly there. What does that mean for me in twenty twenty two? I hope it's not on the Sabbath. We're in the winter. Okay. Or, I mean, right. This would have fit perfectly for that time period. Right. So I'm going to say that fifteen. Where does it? Where does the warning stop? 22? Twenty two. Right. Twenty. No flesh be saved, but for the sake, those days shall be shortened. Okay. And talks about... The... All right. So we're going to go all the way to 20. 21 is where I have massive issues. I have major issues with 21. Because it's supposedly like something that no, no one has ever seen before. The temple had been destroyed before. Okay. The, the, yeah, I mean... Well, I'm just saying I I mean, come on. I mean, the whole world's been flooded before. I mean, like you know what? I mean, like I mean, it, that that's where I have a problem here. Is this hyper is this using hyperbole? I'm not a fan of interpreting it that way. We'll have to work on that. Even Paul said the gospel had gone on to all Right. So, so, yeah, well, I mean, but Paul, we have a confirmation that it did occur. Here, saying that the world has never seen anything like it or never will. I don't know if 70 AD is the greatest thing, the worst thing the world has ever seen, because I would go to World War II. I'd go to the dropping of nuclear weapons on two civilian cities during World War II. Yeah, I know. Yeah, see, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm just going to say we're not going to put 21 down as being fulfilled. All right? We're going to go all the way from 15 to 20. Clearly, that's 70 AD. Uh, 21? 20 20 does. I know. I know. That's a problem. But I'm just going to say I can get us to 20 and feel comfortable. 21, I have millions of issues. All right, I'll be the first to admit. Twenty-one, I'm just like, I what? Wait, wait. No, like, this is the worst thing the world's ever seen. I think flooding and drowning the entire population is pretty bad. Okay, ever or ever will see. And then I go World War Two. Do you ever seen the videos of what happened in Japan when we dropped the bomb? Those are horrific. Or do you see what ever? been to one of the concentration camps that was, I mean, that the Jews, that Nazis had, they're exterminating 6 million Jews? That's far worse than 70 A.D., correct? All right, so I have a major problem there, agreed? I have a major problem there. But up to that, I can feel confident going 70 A.D., 70 A.D., 70 A.D. I get there and all of a sudden the brakes come on. It's like, to me, I'm driving along going, okay, 70 A, 70 70 A.D. And I get to verse 21 and it's like, what is that in the middle of the road? And I have to take a hard detour, go through a fence and crash and get out of the car. Go, what is this? Okay. Because I don't know what it is because I have a hard time with that language. Agreed? And what happens after, you see, after, what's the next section begin with? And then, then the worst that ever seemed. Yeah, shortened. Shorten, okay. So there should be no flesh or okay. There then is it not starts not. that section. Okay. Well, probably, then it, And some people connect that still back to to, to the to the abomination of desolation. Way to about yeah. See. Oh man. That 21's going to cause us nightmares, okay? Or at least going to cause me nightmares. Most people just shrug their shoulders and don't care, but I care. But... The coming of the sun of the man in 27, yeah. Which, again, preterist, say occurred. I'm going to have major problems with 27. I'm going to have major problems with 27. So 21 is where now I'm like, oh, the wheels are starting to come off. The preterist view is strong is strong up to twenty one i mean i'm I'm like up to twenty one I'm a preterist twenty one I'm like wait what and when I get to twenty seven I'm like, You're out of your mind okay I get to twenty seven I'm like this doesn't work anymore okay uh, but we'll we'll see if we can pull it off all right any questions well. Well, first of all, we'll see. First of all, we're going to see what the curriculum's going to do next. Okay, but maybe at some point we 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 may need to go back and work on those seventy weeks because it is a worthy uh, course of, of trying to figure it out. Um, I'm going to make sure really quick. Is there anything in the Discord? Okay, and I'm going to look here on the app. We, we may need to go back and work. On That's those me. Weeks. That's me. Okay, the volume's up. Okay, nothing in the. I had to open up the speaker app and hit play to get me to see the chat. All right. All right. So good. No, no questions. Everybody's like, what just happened? I don't understand. I'm so confused. Okay. Well, I think we did a good job, right? I think so. Does everybody feel confident up to that point? Yes. We, we know what abomination desolation is now. I think we feel pretty good what it is. And I think we have a pretty good idea that it occurred in 70 AD. Now. What the world goes on in verse 21? I have no clue. And again, I'm not saying that there can't be... Look, you want to see there's a future temple by all means. I just don't think that's what Jesus is predicting here. You may say Daniel predicts it. Jesus, clearly his prediction is 70 AD. It's just all the language just makes... The fleeing, the warning, everything. The fact that he tells them to flee and then a false prophet sends them to the temple according to Josephus, that's all just fits so perfectly with what happens. I just don't know what in the world goes on in 21. What is that craziness? All right, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this evening. Lord, let us learn that we must listen to your word and not to the words of false prophets because there are constantly deadly consequences for such foolishness. Let us heed your word, study your word, and do our best to understand it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. God's people say